This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Michael K. Show holiday party returns this Friday, December 8th at your mother's house in Garden City Park, Long Island with special guest appearances from Wally Zerbiak, Amani Toomer, and my guy Rick DiPietro. Increase your chances of winning one of the holiday giveaways by bringing up to three toys for donations. Mark your advent calendars and get ready to spread some cheer at the Michael K. Show Holiday Party, Friday, December 8th, at your mother's house in Garden City, Long Island, brought to you by Momentum Solar. The New York Islander is Jake's 58 Casino Hotel, Yingling Traditional Lager, and Flight by Yingling, the perfect beers for the holiday season. Security Dodge, visit Security Dodge com and come get some selection and benefiting the Garden of Dreams Foundation. The uh, ba- uh, Bengals are right now trying to stave off the Jags from a comeback. Jacksonville announcing that Trevor Lawrence left the game with an ankle injury. So, you know, we're going to be all over at ESPN just as far as the severity of said ankle injury, but it did not look good. We don't have any details yet, but if something comes along in the next hour or so, we will pass that over to you. Before we get back to the phone calls, let's play a little in or out. It's time to decide. Are you in or are you out? So at this point, uh, the producers will throw a statement in my direction, and I will tell you whether or not I am in or out on said statement. Let's do it. All right, are you in or out on the in-season tournament? Oh, man, I'm in on this. So at first, I thought it was goofy, it was silly. And, you know, the premise I still find to be somewhat pathetic that you've got to convince these guys to show interest in playing basketball, which is something they're paid to do. But I love that there is some intrigue uh, along with it. You're, like, scrolling through the channels and... You know, that the courts are so obnoxious. It, it, it you know, strikes your curiosity. You're wondering what, what this is about. Uh, I still think it's a, it's a tad bit confusing to some people. It's like, wait, Tuesdays and Fridays? And, like, who's playing? And what does it mean in Group ABC? Like, what's going on? But I'm into it. I, I've enjoyed it so far. You're giving some, you know, legitimacy and credence and, and, and intrigue to games that otherwise uh, some people would not have cared about. Like, I'm all into... Uh, and I, I, I care about the games because I'm a big NBA fan. But, you know, Pelicans, Kings right now is on my TV screen. There are going to be people, Knicks fans, all over uh, Knicks Bucks tomorrow. I'm hyped about Lakers Suns. And it's it, as a Lakers fan, it's a tournament that I, I want to see them win. How good would that be, Lakers, Knicks, in the finals in Vegas on Saturday night? That would be awesome. So I'm rooting for the Knicks tomorrow. But, yeah, a long way uh, of saying I am in on the in-season tournament. I think it's working. And you're getting guys to care about it. $500,000, I don't care how rich you are, That that's a difference. That is impactful. And I did see Ryu Hachimura, who plays for the Lakers today, uh, he said, we got to go get this one tomorrow and then go to Vegas and get that whole bag. There are players on these teams who have never seen five hundred grand. You got coaches involved. So I think it's great. The incentive is awesome, and it's some fun to have during the NBA season. So I'm in on the in-season tournament. Next. Uh, Julius Randle to put up a triple-double tomorrow against the Bucks. Ooh, Julius Randle uh, was just named, what, the player of, what was it, the week or the month? Julius Randle's been cooking, and, and I, I get annoyed with Nick fans for you know, not giving him the love that he deserved. But Nick's Julius Randle was named the Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Average 24, 13, and 7. Uh, against the Celtics defense where they've got length. It doesn't look like Chris Stapps is going to play tomorrow, but uh, I am out on the triple-double for Julius Randle. I think he's going to play well. I think the Knicks are going to win this game. And we'll have Knicks Pacers. The Knicks have been tremendous defensively. 
Uh, that unit has just been getting after it. They were like 19th last year. They're up to a top five defense this time around. And then, of course, we know the story is Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle play well. The Knicks can beat any team on any given night, which is why this tournament is so fascinating because they have the talent, they have the chemistry, they have the unit, they're very well coached to win an NCAA-style one-and-done tournament. They're not going to beat Milwaukee or Boston in the playoffs, and the Sixers even right now look like the, a team that's superior. Uh, but uh, in a style like this, where it's just you know, every night, just one game, elimination, the Knicks absolutely have some success. So I'm out on Julius Randle's triple-double tomorrow. I do think he'll play well, and the Knicks will win next. Are you in or out on Zach Wilson playing again for the Jets? Oh, I'm out on this. I, I don't think that you can be an NFL quarterback, a professional, and have some type of you know, commentary about you not wanting to go into games because uh, you know the injury risk, and that sit well in your locker room. And I think that for the head coach who is – who has, you know, positioned himself or, you know, has has got this, like, you know, phrase about him that's all gas, no brakes. If you're all gas, no brakes, I need you to show me something and not play this guy who we're questioning whether or not actually wants to be out there. It's a bad message to send to the team. It's terrible for that locker room. And it just, to me, reeks of, like, immature. It's unprofessional. It's distasteful. It's, it's a disgrace. You're being paid $35 million dollars. Uh, as a rookie on his rookie contract, where you were drafted second overall three years ago, and you don't want to play because you're trying to you know save yourself for for the future. Here's the thing, man: you could be auditioning for another team. Like it's on the table that you're done. Not not that not that no one's gonna pick you up, but you can find some magic in the next five weeks. Give a little bit of hope to your next employer. That, you know, something on tape can be tapped into and maybe you can have that potential be realized for you to right now with this team going through all the turmoil with injuries and everything, everyone putting their bodies on the line go out there and say, you know, you, you don't want to play. I, I, I think it's just foolish, foolish. So I'm out on Zach Wilson. Next. Uh the Jets to start Simeon next week against Houston. I am in on this. Uh, Simeon. Obviously did not play well. The the Jet quarterbacks have just been brutal. They've scored 10 offensive touchdowns all season long, which, I mean, we keep telling you how hard that is to do, how impossible it is in this league, the way it's managed, the way, you know, the officiating, how brutal it's been. And I think actually overall scoring is down. But I watched Jake Browning tonight lead his offense to 31 points. I'm, I'm looking at C.J. Beathard with, you know, Trevor Lawrence sideline, march his team down the field uh, and it, with an attempt to win the game. It, 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 it's not easy, obviously, but you should be more capable than scoring 10 touchdowns in 12 games. Like, that's just a level of ineptitude that we've never seen before. It feels like the Jets are playing a different sport. Uh, but Simeon yesterday, 5 of 13, 66 yards, had uh, the costly fumble. Obviously, this team dealing with turnovers, three they had yesterday. I mean, what else do you got? Tim Boyle's not the answer. Trevor Simeon at least has a resume of, you know, some type of winning in this league. So, yeah, why not? Start him against Houston. Houston's going to blow him out anyway. It's not going to matter. But, yeah, I'm in on uh, starting Trevor Simeon next. Are you in or out on whatever it takes to get Juan Soto in a Yankee uniform? So I'm conflicted about this. Uh, the Yankees, the report is that there is a, a gap between 
what the asking price is and what they're willing to part with as far as like their prospects. It's tricky because obviously Soto is the perfect fit for this team that desperately needs an outfielder and 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 obviously um, an outfielder who can provide an offensive jolt to a, a dormant offense. And Soto, we know, one of the best 10 players in the sport. Pairing him with Judge in the middle of that lineup would just be monstrous. It, it would just be incredible. It, it would be, you know, a PR win for the Yankees after missing the playoffs. It would be something that obviously uh, provides a, a tremendous impact going forward with the greatness that you have in that lineup, assuming Rizzo can come back and, and, and be a semblance of what he was prior to the concussion last year. Stanton's still going to hit some home runs. We'll see what happened with Torres. You have Judge and Soto in the middle of that lineup. It's perfect. What makes it tricky is he's not going to sign an extension prior to the end of next year. So he's going to test the market. He's a Scott Boris uh, client, so he's going to go and, and go out there and, and, and try to get the, the most amount of money possible, which he has every right to do. So that's what makes it tricky. Am I all in on giving anything up for him? I wouldn't say anything. That's that's dumb. That's poor negotiating. There is a, a, a limit. There is you know a point of, yeah, we, we can't go there. But it looks like Michael King, uh, prospect Drew Thorpe, like these guys are are are, are among those mentioned, you know, to, to be uh, involved in this trade. I, the problem with the Yankees is that they, they have now a history of hoarding prospects to the point where the value diminishes and you really get no net positive. Whether it's bringing them up and they're not any good, they don't pop, or you or you hold on for them for too long, and they just have no type of value going up going forward. So that's what the Yankees are dealing with. We just can't trust that. Yeah, this prospect that you're, you know, selling us is is the real deal is going to amount to anything. But you know, am I am I in on them doing anything to get Soto? No, I'm not. Not not anything. Not trading everyone. But if it's going to take some prospects. Some highly touted prospects, of course I'd be in on that. And then you just hope that, you know, you do enough with him in this one year audition that you know you you can resign him. But they just got a lot of big contracts: the Stanton contract, the Judge contract, the Cole contract that could prevent them from, you know, getting into a long term relationship with this guy. But that's in or out. Thank you to Joe Leo. Thank you to Chantel. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Buddhas, he's here. So you know we got a lot to argue about. Richard Man has been waiting patiently. So we'll talk to him. Keep him coming. 800-919-3776. And when we return, we'll have an update on the Monday Night Football game between the Bengals and the Jags, tied at 31 right now. C.J. Beathard uh, led Jacksonville down to a game-tying field goal. So we'll keep you posted on that. 20 seconds left in regulation. Ty Butler going until midnight right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. Ty Butler going to midnight. The Bengals and the Jaguars are in overtime. They're tied at 31. Harvey Cruz just texted me an in or out question. In or out on making your one-year-old kid a Jets fan. Well, my my two-year-old is already a Jets fan. And you could say it's maybe the single biggest mistake I ever made as a parent. Uh, But I'm watching, it's funny, I'm watching that Giants-Jets game that we just talked about. And he, my two-year-old runs into the living room and he screams to me, go Jets, as the Jets are about to 
about to lose to the Giants. But, you know, they end up coming back. And he doesn't know. His mom coached him up to do that. But he's already a Jet fan and, and, and Maverick. So Noah's already a Jets fan. It was my two-year-old. Maverick is becoming a Jets fan. But how about this, Joe? I, I don't know if I ever told you this. This probably should have been, like, all the evidence I needed that this season was going to be a disaster. We'll get to your phone calls in a moment, 800-919-3776. The morning of September 11th. As I'm like anxiously waiting for Monday Night Football, it's Jets, Bills, I'm fired up. And all day I'm dealing with angst. So Maverick, my my youngest, I put him in a a onesie, a Jets onesie, right? And literally within three minutes, he poops all over the onesie. Like it, it, (laughs) it was disgusted. It was gross. Pooped all over it. I had to change it. So I, I took a picture and I sent it to my family. I'm like, listen, I don't know if this is like him trying to tell us something, but I put him in the jet onesie. He he destroyed it. And then here we go. Here we are at uh, four and eight. Was that before or after the Roger? Like, did, did this was the morning up the well, morning before so it happened. So it happened before. It happened before. This is September 11th, the yeah, Monday that's, morning. That's some foreshadowing. This is for this you. is like 10 hours before kickoff. Ten hours before kickoff, pooped all over the onesie. And right there I knew, like, is this a sign? Like, this has to be a sign. But I was ignoring it because I didn't want it to be a sign. And Maybe he's a Giant fan. Maybe he's telling you, hey, you got a Jet fan. Let me be a Giant fan. Well, but speaking of the Giants, I promise I'm going to get to the call. I, I got to get this off my chest. This idea that they have a, a a quarterback controversy. It's so mind-boggling to me. The only way you view this game for the Giants as one with a quarterback controversy is if you believe that this 4-8 and eight team with a point differential of minus 133, which is the second worst in football, if you think they somehow can make the playoffs, and no one actually believes that. The Giants, after they lost to Seattle, weren't a playoff team. They certainly weren't a playoff team at 2-8. and eight. So you mean to tell me back-to-back wins over the Commanders and the Patriots scream to you, oh, we've turned the season around? There's no quarterback controversy. The obvious move is to start Tommy DeVito as we're playing the, you know, the Sopranos music. Love the Sopranos. I got to go back and rewatch that that whole show. It's just great. I saw Steve Sharippa on the case show. And I'm like, man, it makes me want to go back and rewatch the entire Sopranos. But it's just like it's too busy. You got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got the kids watching super simple songs and Miss Rachel. So there's a lot going on. But I gotta go rewatch the Sopranos. Uh, the obvious move is to start Tommy DeVito, so you can groom him into your third string quarterback next year, possibly your backup once you move on from Jones. And then there you have it. You'd only start Tyrod Taylor under the premise of you know who gives us the best chance to win. The Giants shouldn't be trying to win games. I get the coaching staff should be trying to win. I get it. Players should be trying to win. But organizationally, it's best for you to lose and capitalize on the best draft pick possible. And I I think even more important than you trying to, quote-unquote, win games would be seeing what you have in Tommy DeVito. Though I do think that to some degree we've overrated uh, what we've seen from Tommy. The story's great. It's fun to root for him. But let's not act like hanging 41 total points against two of the worst teams in football. You know, he's setting the league on fire. He's, he's definitely progressed uh, from what we saw in that opening game against the Jets where he wasn't allowed to throw the ball. 
and, and it's confirmation that Brian Dable can still develop quarterbacks, but sometimes we go a little bit too far overboard. Uh, all in all, it's not a, contra- uh, a controversy with the quarterback. You start DeVito, the Giants aren't going anywhere. They should be losing, losing games anyway. 800-919-3776. He's been on Twitter chirping at me. I told him to call up, so I, I'm sure that a- after the Puff Puff pass, he's here to join us and we can argue and scream. What's up, Buddha? What's going on? What's going on, my guy? A little puff, puff, pass, a little yellow tail charade. You know how we do. <laughs> we know how we do on a, on a regular Monday night, a regular Monday night in the fall. That's how we give it up, baby. You already know. Listen, that NBA to- uh, uh, in cup tournament game with uh, Boston and the Pacers is pretty much fire. Yeah, man. Uh, let's let's keep it a buck. There's a lot of things that we got mad at these guys about, but you know, one thing I like about Silver is he listens to you as a fan. Yeah. He listens to the players, but he listens to the fans, too. He does listen to the fans. And Tyrese is balling this year, man. Ty, Ty, yo, I, I'm looking forward to seeing. I know your Sixers are doing well. I'm looking forward to seeing what that Eastern Conference is going to look like up top. You know, the Celtics and Bucks will be there. But, you know, they got the Sixers playing well. Orlando, I, I saw them get blown out by the Nets on Saturday. But they're playing well. You got the Pacers, of course, the Knicks, the Heat. It's going to be a fun, uh, fun Eastern Conference. Yeah, and, that, and, and, and the FIBA stuff has been like the uh, the linchpin for a lot of this uh, stuff that's taking place early in the season. Like yeah, I actually like it. I, I like it, man. I, I'm really looking forward to these. I'm watching the games tonight. I'm looking forward to the games tomorrow, and I'll be locked in Thursday and, and Saturday with the uh, Vegas uh, Final Four and, and, and championship game for the NBA Cup. They got like these uh, special trophies. They got an MV, MVP award they're going to give out, $500,000 to each player and coach. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to play for. There's a lot to play. Yeah, for. yeah. Now let's get to the football. Um, first and foremost, man, I felt horrible when I saw Trevor Lawrence go down like yeah, that. Man. You know, whenever I see these young guys in college who actually played against real competition, who actually were good teammates, who actually earned their spots on the field and earned their spots in the NFL, you know, similar to like my guy, Penix Jr. His story is thorough. These are the kind of guys that make it in a man's league like the NFL. So you know, in turn with your boy, Zach Wilson. And I hate to say I told you so, but I, I, I told you guys ahead of the draft, you know, during the draft and post-draft, if you're a Zach Wilson truther or you're a Zach Wilson apologist or you're a Zach Wilson observer who's honest, this market was never good for him. The Jets were never a good team for him. He was slight. He played against weak competition. He had never been through any adverse, you know, adversity in his life. So coming to the Jets was like uh, dropping him off in Wonderland. <laughs> and I, like I said, I don't care what side of the corn you're on with him. You, you know, if you didn't see this coming, I don't know what to tell you. But now, you, you know, you said, you know, the Jets need to prepare for life after Aaron Rodgers. And when I tweeted that out to you, you know I love you to death. And you sitting there talking about you're not going to argue on Twitter. I mean, this is the first time for everything. But, you know... Uh, you know, and the guy who called earlier, he he didn't understand. I mean, he's coming. Not while I'm hosting a radio program, Buddha. Come on, now I'm on the show for three hours. I'm gonna sit there and go tease. back and listen. forth with you on Twitter when we can no, no, no. entertain the audience. Okay, okay. So you I'm just letting you know what I was gonna call you about. All right, let's because hear it. The thing is, is you love Aaron Rodgers, and like I spoke to you before, and we've all done this when there's certain players that we love. We kind of look at them with the rose-colored glasses, 
And I'll give you an example before I get into I've got four questions to ask you, and you okay. can answer these after I get off. But I'll just say this much. When I look at LeBron, who I know is another one of your favorites, and deservedly so, to me, LeBron's career as a basketball player has been more successful than Aaron Rodgers' career as a football Absolutely. player. Absolutely. I mean, that's not even Where they are right now is a similar spot. And that's that aging superstar who's trying to squeeze out one more chip. And LeBron's not getting it, and he's with a better organization than the Jets will ever be. But, uh, but Aaron Rodgers is not getting it. And the reason why I bring up the Aaron Rodgers stuff, and you know I spoke to you about this, this was my, 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 my hesitancy about him coming here to the Jets was, I said to you, I said, when I look at Rodgers, he still has a great arm, but he got hurt behind an offensive line that's better than the Jets had, and it was partly because the offensive line wasn't that good, but it was also partly because his legs are not playing at the same speed where his arm was. But you mean so last year? You're talking about last year? The, the last year before oh, he, he came here. You remember I spoke to you about this. Yeah, I was he, not on board with the Aaron Rodgers giving up everything for him. When he hurt his hand. Are you talking about when he hurt his hand? I mean, he, he didn't miss he, a when game. He hurt his, when he broke his finger or whatever. But I said to you, I said... Babuda. I see him as a declining player. And now, with the Jets, with their poor ownership, meddling owner, like Jose tried to say to Gordon, and Gordon's trying to act like he has no idea that Woody Johnson has anything to do with whether Zach Wilson plays or not. You know, come on, stop it. But the, the, there are four questions, and, and they're very simple questions to answer, okay. and that'll tell and then you I got a question about for you. So, so don't go either. anywhere, because you're not going to get out of this. And then I got a question for you, but let me hear. Let me hear the four questions. No, no, listen, these are four questions, and I'm not going to go nowhere. Listen, first of all, was bringing Buck Lazard and the preacher Randall Cobb a good move here? <laughs> Obviously, we know that that's not good. Was bringing uh, Paul, Nate, Buddy, whatever Hackett you want to call him, was bringing him here a good idea? Number two, we know that was not a good idea. Now, if you want to look at um, getting rid of Douglas, Salah, and Hackett next year, that is fine. But the fourth question is, how would the Jets salvage everything that's been done here when if you get rid of Douglas, you get rid of Hackett, you get rid of Salah? And I'm not saying I want any of them to stay because for me personally, Joe Douglas, you know I said this a thousand times, he's a snake oil salesman. It was all, it was all Adam Gase's fault. And your man, the fanboy, Jake Ashman, he called you that day, and he still hasn't been able to explain why I was wrong with that. But, you know, Douglas is number one. Salah's got his own problems mm -hmm. in terms of, like, being one of the guys. And Hackett, just let's be honest, he was not even calling the plays in yeah, Green he Bay. he wasn't. And so by the way, on, on that point, you see Matt LaFleur last night calling the plays for the, for the Packers and how good they look. But go ahead, but go Listen, ahead continue. Nobody is happier than Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay than <laughs> Matt LaFleur. But that's a whole other conversation. But look. How did the Jets salvage this? It's not about whether you feel Rodgers was a good move or not. Where we are right now, How did they we don't even it? know if he could play They got to run it back. That's the only way you salvage it. No, they they gotta, have to run it they back. They have to. But how do you salvage it if you fire those three guys I spoke to you about? You can't. Because any coach who's worth his salt is not coming in here to 
should deal with that. Uh, so I don't believe who, that. I don't believe that. Who, because no, no, you get no, thirty two. No, who would take you this get job? thirty I mean, listen, any all, any of these offensive coordinators, Ben Johnson they're talking about, uh talking up with the line. Any of these offensive coordinators who are, are thirsty for one of thirty two of these gigs and it looks say like that sh- word again. Thirsty. Say the word again. Thirsty. What did you just say? Thirsty. But think there about it. You go. Schefter's reported there could be up to time. ten. There could be up to ten vacancies. You don't get like but, you can't but, turn but, down jobs like you. But you're not. You're not. You're missing the point of what I'm asking you. I hear you. But not my, my point is my how point. How many is, people would take it? How many people would take it that would be able to make it work? You have to have a veteran coach to be able to deal with that transition period between the agent superstar into the next. I get it. Also, listen, not only that, though, listen, let's keep it a buck. Whoever takes this job has to be able to have the cachet with the owner and the GM and say, look, I know that this guy is here, but for the future health and well-being of this franchise – if the Jets are picking fourth, bro, yeah, they might have you to. You cannot pass up <laughs> on one of these quarterbacks. I get the you. So here's the thing, Buddha. Buddha. Like I'm not disagreeing with anything you just said, but let's go back to the whole "I told you so" conversation. What would have been the better play for the Jet organization coming off the of last season, as far as like what to do at quarterback? What should they have done? You know what my my thing would have been. What would you have done? Honestly, and I'm telling you. I would have not paid big money for Derek Carr. What would you have I done? Not, Don't tell me what you would have done. Buddha, we got a clock here, man. Just tell me what All you right, would have done. Look, I would have taken a guy like a Minshew or somebody like that as a bridge for one or two years because I was not sold on the coach anyway. You made the coach fire his offensive coordinator. But the coach, the they were not going to do team. that. He doesn't believe you in the coach. You think that they were going to sign a backup quarterback to be their starter after they started 7-4 and four last season and had a, a championship defense that was ready to win? That was never so going to happen. So that was never going to happen. Let's keep it a buck. Let's not do the halfway thing. Ain't no such thing as halfway crooks. Mob D. I'm going, I'm letting Harbaugh know Minnesota didn't want to give you all full control. I'll give you it here. You can have Joe Douglas or you can not have Joe Douglas. That's how you turn your franchise around. Woody Johnson keeps hiring people that he can manipulate, he can control, and who don't have the cachet, like you said, who are thirsty. And when you're thirsty, you're always going to be looking for a drink. And that's where the Jets are, my brother. Come on. Admit <laughs> it, bro. I feel you, Buddha. I appreciate you. I appreciate the passion. I don't know why he, he feels like we like he's got to come at me from the standpoint of like we disagree so much. I, a lot of what he said we, we agree with. The only thing we disagree with, and I, I get it's a big thing, is no, I'm not signing Gardner Minshew. The, the Aaron Rodgers trade had to happen. It had to happen. And I admit that it's come with a lot of baggage that you didn't want. Lazar's been a disaster. Cobb has been non-functional. He's getting scratches, healthy scratches. Nathaniel Hackett just looks lost. So, yes, it's it's come with a lot of baggage. But you've sold your soul to him, so you got to see this process out. The Gardner Minshew thing, come on, Buddha. You're better than that. 800-919-3776. We return in a moment. Right here on 9870 ESPN. Thirsty. Say the word again. Thirsty. What did you just say? Thirsty. This is the Ty Butler Show. On 98.7 ESPN. It's 
So how about this? The Bengals get a game-winning field goal from Evan McPherson. 34-31 is the final score in Jacksonville. And now the Bengals keep their playoff hopes alive. They are 6-6 six and six on the season. Every team in the AFC North is 500 or better. Meanwhile, the Jags fall to 8-4. and four. Uh, The Colts and the Texans just one game back of them for first place in that AFC South division. But the bigger story tonight uh, in Jacksonville will be the health of Trevor Lawrence, who went down with what looked like a very significant injury as a lineman rolled up, you know, got his ankle. He was helped off the field, limping and couldn't put any weight on that foot. So we're going to see what the story is uh, with that situation, but they're calling it an ankle injury. I'm hoping he's okay, man. You look at the the landscape of of just football in general with all these quarterbacks having gone down. We're watching it here with with the Jets and the Giants, Rodgers and and, uh, Jones being done for the season, Watson, Richardson, uh, Joe Burrow, Kirk Cousins. It's been a, a season littered with significant injuries, and it stinks. It stinks because you want to see the best compete. You want to see everyone at you know peak efficacy and you just haven't had that happen uh so far this year uh but you know just looking at the landscape of the AFC what makes it even more tough to swallow like being a jet fan watching uh this debacle is like we were sold uh, you know I don't know like there are, the, the 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 conference is so deep hard to envision it being easy because of all all these teams look at the quarterbacks look at the contenders you look at the AFC East, the, the Bills probably going to miss the playoffs because they've had just two awful losses in this division to the Patriots, who are the worst team in football, and the Jets. The Dolphins can't beat teams over 500. The Ravens are 9-3 and three and might be the best team in the AFC, but the, all three of their losses were bad, and they still leave you with some questions about whether or not that offense can translate into a, a deep postseason run. Uh, the Browns and Bengals both dealing with season-ending injuries to their quarterbacks. The Jags, uh, even prior to tonight's game, just didn't separate itself as like this contender. And hopefully, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence avoided a significant injury. Chiefs watched them last night. I don't know. Like I, I can't be the guy who comes on radio and says yeah, their offense is going to be what holds them back, especially when they have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Andy Reid uh, as the triumvirate in Kansas City. But the offense is a question. Uh, it, it, that's not the same offense we've seen in years past. So there's a lot to be concerned about. At, you know, as as far as uh, the Chiefs being able to, you know, repeat, but. Just goes back to man. It's been frustrating to watch. It's been frustrating to watch how gettable this conference was, and you lose your quarterback four plays into the season, and you know you're just left with wondering what could have been, what if, and now hoping that next year brings something more favorable. Let's touch on the college football quickly before uh, we hit a break. Um, the the format is silly. You you have five power conferences and four slots, so essentially you go into a season knowing. That at the very least, one team winning its conference can can advance. I love the Discord on Twitter yesterday. Uh, both sides were just so confident in what they were saying. It was, you know, they got this wrong. It's disgraceful. And then other people were like, well, they clearly got this right. Here's the thing. Florida State, I feel bad for that program. I feel bad for the fan base because you are left wondering what else could we have done? We went undefeated. 
We won our conference. We won a game in non-conference play against LSU by three touchdowns. We beat Florida. Like, what could we have done to get here? You're going to penalize us for an, our starting quarterback getting injured? Like, that feels goofy. It doesn't make any sense. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have Alabama, a team that did feel like it was deserving of getting in. Eight wins against SBS teams of 500 or better, but that win over Georgia was able to erase the loss of Texas. And when you ask yourself, who are the four best teams in the country? Shouldn't Alabama be part of the crop? So you're left with, yes, does it send the wrong message to a program that if the quarterback gets hurt, none of the games end up mattering? Yes, that that's terrible. Because, you know... It, First of all, like, should they have lied about their quarterback having a season-ending injury? If they would have just said he's day-to-day, do they get in? Like That just creates, to me, uh, a situation that is just not the most ideal when it comes to dealing with these types of significant injuries. No power, No Power 5 team. Uh, has gone undefeated and not been given the opportunity to play for a national championship since Auburn did in 2004. And, you know, can't you make the case if you're Florida State that losing your quarterback and still winning makes you a stronger team, makes you a more legit team, and gives you more credence as being one of the best uh, in the country? So, look, I get it that the committee went with what was better for TV and better for the product than who was most deserving. Who, who, who are we to decide what's most deserving? The, the format is silly. And even when you go to 12 teams, you're still going to have those that feel like they had legitimate cases to, to make uh, to be as part of the grouping. But what I will say is the, the benefit uh, of what transpired yesterday, Michigan-Bama might be the sexiest matchup since they started doing this playoff format. You get Saban versus Harbaugh who you know, just returned from a suspension and could be on his way back to the NFL. And, of course, uh, that's going to be rife with headlines. And, you know, it's going to be a fun matchup. Any of these four teams can win it. Like, you feel great about, you know, Michigan right now. They should be the best team in the country. But if Bama beats them, then you're going to have Bama as the favorites. But you wouldn't be surprised to see Bama go down uh, to either Texas uh, or, or Washington. So it's just going to be, you know, one of those things where it, it sucks right now, of course. But I still think you're going to get, you know, an exceptional, an exceptional college football playoff. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great to watch. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing all of that unfold on New Year's Day. 800-919-3776. Uh, we will get back to your phone calls when we return to wrap the show right here on 98.7 ESPN.